Welcome to Pragmatic Live, a podcast that helps product teams define, build, market, launch, and price great products. Today we'll focus on price. I'm Mark Stiving, a pragmatic marketing instructor and a pricing expert. Joining us on today's podcast is Stefan Liozu. My first interaction with Stefan was when he was still president and CEO of Ardex. Now, Ardex was a real company. They sold construction materials. He was in a doctoral program then at Case Western, and he was already very active in the pricing world. Since then, of course, he's graduated. He's published several books on pricing. He runs a consulting business. He's an assistant professor at Chatham University. He's Mr. Pricing now. Welcome, Stefan. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So, Stefan, I have a Ph.D. in marketing, but I like to say pricing because that was really the focus of all my research, and it sounds interesting to say Ph.D. in pricing. You could probably also claim to have a Ph.D. in pricing, but what is your doctorate really in? Well, my uh, Ph.D. is in management and uh, designing systems, so I was able to look at um, pricing from a managerial perspective and combining all the, you know, the richness of uh, management theory with uh, the science of pricing, so both the technical and, uh, and social aspect of pricing. So, you know, I, I will say from time to time, yes, I have a PhD in pricing, you know, uh, but from the management perspective. <laughs> That's a kind of a shortened discussion. But, uh, but I, I did study uh, in the in, in out of, uh, you know, pricing strategy, pricing orientation, price execution, and then what it takes from the management side and the design perspective to to, uh, to be successful in these. Oh, excellent. We might query you on that a little bit more in, in a few minutes, but, but I have to start out. How did you become so passionate about pricing? I, I love pricing, but, but what, what caused your passion? Yeah, I, I do get uh, that question quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I, because I, I am not a pricing expert, so uh, and unfortunately I could not do most of the things you would do, you know, as far as technical side of pricing. But, you know, I came into pricing uh, really in 1998 when I uh, deployed SAP in, uh, in continental Europe for a Fortune 500 company. And, I, you know, I was in charge of the business side of the SAP deployment and quickly getting got involved in the pricing module, which I quickly realized that no one wanted to manage, and it was totally chaotic, and, um, and it was very emotional. So from there, I'm like, wow, this is interesting. So uh, since 1998, I've been... Moving in my career, I was, you know, I did 20 years in industry and uh, for large companies and small privately owned companies and moved from uh, sales to marketing to business management to general management and ended up being a top executive in a, in a German-owned company. And uh, But throughout my career, I got more and more involved in pricing. started teaching it as an adjunct uh, professor in many schools in Europe and here in the U.S., uh, giving lectures and, and really try to promote one of the keys of marketing, as you know, uh, since you're a marketing expert, and, uh, and realized that in, in the B2B world, it was not at all managed. So as I moved in my career, I, I started getting involved a lot more in pricing and, and realizing the power of doing value-based pricing and paying attention to, uh, uh, to uh, all the aspects of uh, pricing, from uh, pricing the products to uh, pricing tactics to uh, conditions in, uh, in service uh, levels and you know, I was fairly successful as, as far as implementing innovative pricing strategies, and, and it kept going. And, you know, when I uh, when I felt that it was time for me to move out of the corporate world, then I decided to make it a more of a career, um, both as a professor and as a, uh, a consultant slash coach. Yeah. 
I, I find it amazing that pricing is so powerful, and yet so few people understand it or even want to own it or drive it. So it's it's a fascinating topic. Yeah, it, it is. It is fascinating. Everybody talks about it, but actually, not many people ma- manage it uh, with intention. And you know, for me, attention and intention is half the battle. Yeah, great, great concept there. So, quick question for you though: You, most of us, would think becoming the CEO of a company is the pinnacle of our career. We've now reached it. That's what we want to get to. And yet, you were there and gave it up to get into pricing. What was what was the thinking behind that? Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. So, you know, I, I was privileged to be uh, working for Arctic, a great company and uh, very rich uh, in innovation and good strategy and, and a premium model. And uh, and at some point, I uh, wanted to, um, you know, I, as everybody, I do my bucket list, and I had uh, a few things on my bucket list I wanted to do before it's too late. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to um, get a PhD. I wanted to... Uh, write books, and I wanted to uh, open my business. And, you know, sometimes you feel the time is right. And uh, I, again, I was uh, I was lucky to be able to stay in Nordic four and a half years and do great stuff with a great team. And at some point, you know, you feel it's time to go. And uh, so I decided to go and in collaboration with Nordic, and it was great. You know, it was a great opportunity for me to uh, open a practice and, uh, and devote a bit more time to academia and teach pricing in schools and and become a true evangelist, not only in in school, but also in practice. And uh, that's what I've been doing for now almost uh, three and a half years, four years, and I'm having a blast. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so you said that your doctorate was in management, and you're also a pricing expert, and, and I'm sure this topic would take us, oh, a week to cover well. But any hints on how a company should organize pricing um, should there be pricing teams, pricing committees, pricing people? Um, and, and, of course, we can't take a whole hour to answer this, but, but a couple short hints would be great. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, the answer is really it depends. And uh, depending on your industry, your maturity, your organization, in, you know, that you have in place, uh, you know, and, and what you want to accomplish in, in inside your organization in, in marketing and value management. So. You know, I truly believe that you have to have dedicated uh, teams at some point, uh, but it's probably not the first thing you want to do. What you do have to do uh, is really put a, a strong foundation in knowledge of pricing first in your organization when you get started, and that would be done through, uh, you know, some experts, uh, some marketers becoming more involved, maybe uh, assemble, uh, assembling a pricing council first and, and getting people to talk about pricing a little bit more. And as you move into actions and activities that you do, then at some point, you know, pricing is a science. You cannot improvise it, and you have to have the right experts. So, uh, so you know, if, if, if you imagine maybe a phase one where you start discussing it, you have uh, uh, people involved in it, and, and eventually you're going to have maybe one full-time person. Um, and as you go, you know, as you go into uh, the establishment of the, of the pricing discipline, the discipline of pricing in your company, then, Obviously, you look at what's the best design for for the organization, and there's different types of designs: centralized, decentralized, center-supported, or center-led. And center-led is the one that is mostly adopted in by the, uh, the most progressive companies, uh, where it's pretty much a center of excellence in pricing, whether it's uh, dedicated to pricing or, or it's part of marketing or value excellence or process excellence. But some experts 
um, to um, to really focus on establishing great knowledge base, uh, great processes, and deploying the systems across the organization. But yet, you leave the authority for pricing in the business units. So the, it's a decentralized in the authority approach, and then it's centralized in diffusion of, of uh, pricing science. So there's different, you know, so when you establish your organization in pricing, you have to look at, you know, how you're going to design it from a central, decentralized aspect. You're going to look at uh, also uh, who's going to do it. Do you have specialization, or you're going to have uh, people doing different kinds of activities, generalization. Um, so you're going to have to look at reporting line, where it's pricing reporting into, and there's a lot of discussion around, yes, into sales operations, into uh, marketing, into finance, or into the general manager. You're going to have to look at the delegation of authority. How much authority are you going to give to the people actually making decisions? So as you can imagine, uh, you know, I, I, yes, I could go for a full week on that. Um, there's lots of implications from the management side on how to establish your pricing foundation. Um, and how you develop a culture for pricing, which is another dimension. Yeah, that sounds – it sounds very consistent with what I usually teach my classes. And, and since we typically teach people in product teams, product management, product marketing, what I find is that people in the product teams are the ones who understand the value. They're the ones who know how much a customer might be willing to pay. But they're not experts in pricing. And so pricing teams, pricing people – are usually great inside larger organizations to act as coaches or uh, people that can help product teams learn how to do better pricing, which sounds, that's re sounds like that's very consistent with what you just described. Yeah, it, it will depend on the industry and, uh, again, the sophistication of that industry. So in B2C, you will find much more sophistication. You know, if you look at the CTG companies and then you look at Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, all these companies will have tremendous and very powerful brand managers and product managers and category managers, and these people will be very educated. Uh, yes, at some point they'll need to learn a little bit more of uh, the pricing science, um, but the role of pricing will be different than if you go into B2B, where there is uh, still uh, the predominance of uh, commercial activities, not purely marketing, where commercial directors will do both marketing and sales, and, and there you will see pricing will be um, a, bit, a little bit less sophisticated in industrial fields. So then the role of prices will be even more important uh, as far as looking at value and looking at uh, positioning and looking at segmentation. So, yeah, it's, it's going to depend on the, uh, on the industry and whether you're B2B or B2C. Yep. Excellent. Okay, we have to change topics because this is the newest research that you've been working on. Uh, several years ago, Warren Buffett had this quote, the single most important decision in evaluating a business is pricing power. Now, i got to say, that when I first heard that, I rejoiced. I thought that was just an amazing quote. It said pricing is important. But when you hear the words pricing power, what does that mean to you? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, that, that uh, little sentence from uh, Warren Buffett really put pricing on the map uh, a little bit more and uh, changed the game. I think it was before the quote and after the quote. And uh, and, and just recently, the uh, uh, you know, Jim Cramer from Mad Money also said, sometimes it just comes down to figuring out who has pricing power, who can raise price and who can't. So we have these gurus coming out with uh, quotes, and, and there's a lot of, you know, noise or positive buzz around pricing power. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was trying to understand what, what is pricing power. And, 
and what it is not. And uh, so I went through uh, kind of a little bit of a secondary research and look at what's published on it, and it's not too much. So there are some definitions out there if you look at uh, Investopedia and Wikipedia and, and the pricing consultants. But, uh, you know, pr pr pricing power is really the ability of a company to uh, make positive price changes, which is increasing uh, prices without losing demand. So uh, it, it ties to price elasticity of demand. It ties to, uh, you know, um, the effect of that change. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can also imagine there's different ways of uh, making, doing price increases. Uh, it's not purely, uh, you know, increasing price year after year. It could be also changing your mix uh, for the best. It, it can be reversioning your product offering and introducing more, you know, premium versions of, of it. It could be bundling. So all these uh, activities around, you know, setting price, uh, I, I, which have a positive effect in your price uh, mix, you know, and, and doing this without losing demand. So, uh, you know, recently, for example, you look at uh, Lego, you know, who is now considered the apple of toys, uh, you know, has announced tremendous sales increases and over 30% profit increases at the same time. So. So here you have, you know, you have a company that, in the context of, uh, you know, very difficult industries and low-cost competition and lots of options for toys, lots of uh, e-commerce platforms that sell toys at a cheap price, a company that, that is able to increase their, their the value of their sales tremendously, increase their price, and increase their profit. And that really is what Jim Cramer refers to as, you know, the true ability to uh, raise your price when other companies can. So recently, um, if you look at uh, the price, so what was published in Basefield Investing or Business Insider or CNBC or Global Mail, and, and pretty much financial, financially related, the financial market, um, you know, they're, they're trying to find all these companies with great pricing power, companies that can't in a stagnation, an environment of stagnation or recession, still increase their price. And uh, so, you know, you, you know, obviously Starbucks is one. You have uh, Disney that is known for still increasing the price of their tickets, Apple. Uh, so, but that's only B2C, and those are the ones we know. Let me pause you for one second, Stefan, if I can, because each one of the examples you gave, I could say, well, that's brand name. So is there a difference between brand name and pricing power? Well, that's, that led, you know, that really led to me to the, to the research. So what drives pricing power? So, you know, I went from what it is to, uh, but what explains it? What, you know, uh, how, how can you influence it? So I started doing, you know, some more investigation and, and defined six dimensions that uh, are related to, to maybe explaining pricing power better. So those are market conditions, uh, customer dynamics, innovation position, differentiation position, competitive pressure, and supply, li supply life cycle of that industry. So you see these are not pricing related, but they can explain pricing power. So then I, I embarked into a, a research project with 100 and over 130 independent and distinct companies and asked these companies, you know, about all these six dimensions, and then I asked them about their pricing power, and then I asked them about their results to be able to look at what explains pricing power and then what's the relationship between pricing power and profit. But you're right. You know, most of the time, innovation and branding and true differentiation experience and the way you manage your customers, you know, they are the foundation of your pricing power. 
Okay, because Lego just strikes me as, boy, it's a, it's in a tough, tough industry, but they've got such an amazing brand name. But but they didn't used to. Yeah, exactly. It was a, it, it was one of the most fascinating turnarounds of uh, of companies that you know almost disappeared, almost went bankrupt, and was facing tremendous competition. But then they came back to their roots and uh, and looked at uh, you know. Uh, Okay, we have a solid brand. We've been around many years, and it's what we call a heritage brand. And uh, you know, and they started truly rethinking their innovation strategy, their investment in R&D, their branding uh, position, and 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 creating a, a, a tremendous level of experience and a tremendous level of consumer intimacy. Going into apps, going into games, going into movies, and and doing a, a different type of marketing. So, you know, yes, it's it's a good example of, you know, how you can improve your pricing power. So can you – are there any um, B2B examples where we might know the companies where you could say these have strong pricing power? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of them is – and it's not me saying it. It's, uh, you know, the researchers out there and and some of the comments on the Wall Street uh, environment. It's it's 3M. 3M is known for – uh, pricing power. It's also, uh, as you know, an innovation powerhouse and a branding powerhouse. Tremendous uh, marketing sophistication and uh, and EBITDA and you know, EBITDA levels over 20, 22 percent year after year after year. But 3M is also known for a tremendous level of innovation and also a high innovation rate, which is you know sales every year coming from new products, right, and new services. So uh, that's one example of. Uh, and, you know, another example is Monsanto, you know, in the area of maybe uh, life science and crop science. Uh, and and, and you, you can see that uh, you do have industries that are understood that need to uh, differentiate more. And one of them is crop science, you know, between Monsanto and Bayer. And, uh, you know, these companies have, have really changed the game by becoming a lot, lot more innovative in embracing Internet of Things, embracing digital experience and, and then that drives you know, their pricing power. So uh, those are two examples. BSF is another example that I've been, uh, you know, I've read about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's let me ask: Is it important? So you, we have these companies that have high pricing power. Is there a payoff for that? Yeah. So you know, so if, if you ask me, surprisingly, what what is the number one contributor to pricing power? It is innovation. And that's kind of a counterintuitive because, you know, you know, it's not typically what we see when we say, well, let's do a project on pricing. You know, usually you work on segmentation or you work on, you know, understanding your pockets of opportunities. And and, and more and more when I when I uh, coach companies or engage with companies and, you know, I look at, okay, if you want great pricing power, I think it starts with, you know, looking at your innovation position. And that came up as a most significant positive driver of pricing power innovation position. The second one is differentiation position, which obviously is very related to innovation because you have to do innovation to be more differentiated. But surprisingly, uh, you know, competitive intensity was a uh, also a, a dimension uh, of pricing power, and competitive intensity does not have any significant impact on pricing power, which means that typically we would expect that the more intense the uh, industry, the more the lower the pricing power. And that did, that was not the case. So that kind of was a surprise, you know, looking at the results of, of my research. Now, hmm. 
on the other side of it, you know, is pricing power, you know, positively related to profit? And I can say that yes. And and the regression weights were at 100% confidence level, very positive, which means so the more you work on these dimensions, the more your pricing power is available for you to capture. Then obviously you have to have an intention to capturing it, which means having the right systems, the right processes of pricing, the right software to go extract it, and then you go out and capture it. And if you do this, then your current performance will go up, will increase. So it's not going to come on its own, as you can imagine. You have to really end up. This is why we need people in companies to really pay attention and to invest in pricing because you may have the best innovation, the best differentiation in the world. You have to have an intention to go and manage it and capture it, right? And then the profit will come. Oh, excellent. You're, you're, uh, you're singing to the choir here. These are things that I love to talk about in my classes as well. So, so that's excellent. Here's the tough question. So if I read your – by the way, when is your research study going to come out? Well, I'm, I'm still writing it, and, I mean, it's, everything is done, and uh, I'm uh, kind of uh, trying to gather a lot more examples and uh, to be able to support my case. So I would imagine in the next eight weeks it will be uh, published somewhere. I'm, I'm knocking wood. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll get on the email list so I can get a copy of that. But, but once a company gets a copy of this and they read it and they say, okay, I got it, I now know these things drive pricing power, how can they actually affect change? That, that seems like really hard to do in this case. Well, it, it, that's a good point, and, and it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, so uh, you may have pricing power today, and it can quickly disappear if you're uh, not investing enough in the right priorities on in innovation or if you don't maintain your differentiation or if you don't do your right, the right segmentation approach, as you can imagine. So uh, not only do you have to maintain what you have today, so which means you have to do an assessment of what your, where your pricing power is today, okay? And for that, I developed an assessment with 30 items that uh, you can take and you say, okay, yes, out of 100, I have 68% pricing power by dimension and blah, blah, blah. So, but then at the end of the day, you say, okay, you look at this assessment and you say, what do I, how do I improve my situation? You know, and what access do I put uh, in place? What, uh, what change do I plan ahead to, uh, to improve my pricing power? And then you could say, well, your scores are the lowest maybe on, you know, understanding your customer's dynamics and then your innovation power is a bit too low. So that means that you have to engage your team uh, in a multifunctional um, environment to go, okay, well, how do we become more innovative? And as you can imagine, it doesn't happen overnight. So you need, uh, you know, six, nine, 12 months to introduce new ideas to market, services, products, and then price them right. Obviously, as you know, you know, not every new product is launched and is successful. <laughs> so you have to do, uh, do your homework to uh, manage pricing in StageGate and, and do a great your homework on, uh, on the value management side. And then, and then you start moving the needle over a period of 12, 24 months. Excellent. Uh, so, so Stefan, I have to say I absolutely love what the research that you're doing. And the reason I love what you've said so far here is because pricing is certainly after you've got a product and all this, we're going to put a price on it. And that's important. We want to manage that. We want to learn it. But pricing is so much bigger than that. And if you want to really do pricing well, you have to create the right products. You have to do innovation. You have to run your company well. And that's essentially what your research is saying, and I love that. Yeah, and, and, and that's one of the myths out there, you know, that 
you know, when you fix, if you fix your, if, you know, if you want to fix your pricing issues, then you have to work on pricing. Most of the time, you know, your pricing issues are symptoms, and you have to go address the root causes, which usually are in segmentation, differentiation, the lack of innovation, or misalignment in, in the C-suite, or the wrong business strategy. So there's so much you can do in pricing. And uh, so you have to get the foundations right, and then pricing will become easier. You know, and, and you're right. You have to go and do much more things than uh, you know than you think you have to do outside of pricing, and that's maybe why you know not every company does it. You know, it's maybe a, it's a reason why only five, ten percent of companies have a pricing team and engage in pricing. Because it's hard. It really is. It's hard, <laughs> and and it's cross-functional, which is the other really big deal. Right? It's hard to manage across across functions within the organization. Well, Stefan, thank you so much for your time today. I've, I've had a blast learning about your research. If anyone wants to contact you, how can they do that? Well, I usually uh, invite them to connect with me on LinkedIn and mention that uh, they listen to the podcast, and uh, you know, I gladly connect with them, and, uh, and then they, my contact information is there. Or go see my uh, website, stefanliozu.com, uh, and you'll find my contact information. And, uh, and follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter, and you'll see, your, you know, I, as you know, I publish comics and papers, and uh, I put a lot of my opinions around pricing. So uh, I have a great group of followers, and then just, just join the uh, the pricing revolution, I would say, because it's like you and I, we we have to be um, evangelists to uh, make sure people know about pricing. Yep, excellent. And just to help the listeners, Stefan Liozu is spelled S T E. P-H-A-N-L-I-O-Z-U dot com. That is correct. That is correct. Excellent. Well, to our listeners, I hope you all got value out of our podcast today. We'd love to hear from you. We love praise, suggestions for improvement, questions you'd like us to address sometime in the future, or even random thoughts if you just want to share them. Now, please send your comments to experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. Also, don't forget to join us for the next episode of Pragmatic Live. See you next week.